Welcome to KnitCast with me, Marie Urshad. The Knitting and Stitching Show is the largest event of its kind in the United Kingdom. It's a chance to see fibre exhibitions, try unusual yarns, attend classes and, of course, meet other knitters. I went along to the London event at Alexandra Palace in the middle of October and met up with Andrew Salmon. He's Managing Director of Creative Exhibitions, the organisers of the show. I asked him how long the show had been running. We've been running the show for 15 years, but in point of fact, it actually got going a couple of years before that. And it was started by a friend of mine who was a passionate needlewoman. And she started the exhibition really for two reasons. First of all, she was a little frustrated as a keen stitcher that the thing that she was passionate about was so disparaged within the media generally. People were talking about grey-haired grannies and all this sort of thing. So she wanted to do something to actually counteract that impression. Secondly, she was finding it quite simply more and more difficult to find the supplies that she needed herself. And therefore, she hit on the idea of actually starting the Knitting and Stitching Show, which was actually the first public event of its kind in this country. We inherited the event because Karen was getting to a stage that it was too big for her and she was having to put her house on the line and all this sort of thing. We, meanwhile, came from a pure exhibition background. And I freely confess that when I first became aware of the Knitting and Stitching show, on a personal level, I wasn't a stitcher and didn't really know very much about the whole subject. But I, I think I've sort of, sort of caught her enthusiasm. And we've been able to build the show from an event that we inherited that attracted about 3,000 visitors to one whereby here in London we're hoping that we'll hit 47 or 50,000 people over just these four days. And the people who come to the show, are they just from within the UK or from other areas? Well, in fairness, we would still claim that it's a UK show. We simply don't have the budgets to promote the event in the States and Australia and and around Europe. But I'm delighted to say that more and more people are actually hearing about the event, really by word of mouth and the internet, of course, so that we would anticipate that 5% of the audience here in London will actually be from outside the UK. But I think the amazing thing is that with most public shows, you're talking in terms of the majority of people coming from, say, a 10-mile, 15-mile radius of the hall. In this particular case, we have people coming down from the north of Scotland. We've got people coming out from Cornwall. I mean, it's just fantastic the way that Ali Pali is really a magnet for, for real enthusiasts right around the country. Obviously, by the time this is broadcast, the show will sadly have finished, at least at Alexandra Palace. But what can people who come along to the Knitting and Stitching show expect to see? Mm, that's a difficult question because we really are covering the full spectrum. And I think it's, it's important for me to explain that the show is really, in a sense, for people who are still hobbyists, who want to come down because they like a little crochet. Meanwhile, we're also talking to the most erudite, cutting-edge textile artists. And as a consequence, we've got a whole range of different features here within the exhibition, which uh, genuinely appeals to everybody that walks through whatever their sort of level. And to us, that's really important. But the exhibition as a whole is really 
broken down into three key sections, I would guess. First, there is a commercial area whereby, I mean, here in Ali Pali, we've got over 300 commercial companies selling everything from, you know, the most computerized sewing machine through the most esoteric gold thread that you can conceivably find. So we would say that it is the, the largest, most comprehensive supply for needlecraft enthusiasts anywhere. That's the commercial bit. But on top of that, we've got a complete hall, which we call the textile gallery, which features a whole range of different textile artists, textile groups, again, covering the entire spectrum. So we've got weavers here, we've got spinners, we've got batik artists, anything to do with needlecraft is here within these halls. And finally, we would have what we term the educational side of things, where we are staging some 200 different workshops and practical projects, precisely to allow people the opportunity to try out a new skill without cost being the, the impediment. We don't try and pretend that the, the educational environment that we can provide here is the most, you know, in-depth anywhere available. But I think the really important thing is that people can actually have a go at embroidery or have a go at knitting and be taught by the top teachers and the top artists without, as I say, cost being the major factor. So for six quid, you can actually sit down with someone like Erica Knight and learn to knit. And that, I think, is hugely important in terms of just encouraging people's enthusiasms. Well, how long does it take to plan something like this? Oh, it's an ongoing process. It's, it's the painting of the fourth bridge. Um, we're mentally into 2008, 2009 in terms of some of the features that we're planning. Uh, sitting here today at Alexandra Palace in the year 2005, the vast majority of the exhibition is planned for 2006. So increasingly we have to look a uh, long time ahead. When you're deciding what to feature in the show, are you thinking, well, I, I need to have this uh, balance of the cutting edge in, in the exhibitions as well as everything else? Yeah, well, I talked about the spectrum earlier on, and uh, to us it's really important that uh, you cover the spectrum in terms of the different sort of techniques, uh, thus you're appealing to lace makers and knitters and embroiderers. So you have to have something very positive to offer for each and every person. But also, um, you need to have a different level of work because, again, as I explained, talking about somebody that likes a little gentle crochet, there's a great danger that you can look down your nose at the hobbyist, and that's the last thing that we want to do. But equally, you've got to provide something which has got far, far greater substance for the real expert in that particular field. And as a general comment, I think that most public exhibitions tend to uh, dwell on the lowest common denominator. And it's far simpler just to say, oh, we cover knitting by virtue of having a couple of knitters there within the show. But I frankly don't think that makes for an exhibition. And therefore, what you have to do, as I say, is to peel right across the board and to ensure that there's genuine content and genuinely things of interest and excitement for people at all sort of different levels and abilities. You must have seen some changes in the, the stitching world just in the 15 years that you've been running it. Are there any particular ones that have stood out to you or perhaps which have been reflected in the audience? I think that the most exciting development has been 
and I need to phrase this carefully because the last thing I want to do is to upset my older visitors, but I think the really exciting thing is just the number of youngsters coming through the door. To my way of thinking, this is a, a real validation of Stitch. It's also, in a sense, a validation of what we're trying to do with the exhibition, which, you know, at heart is about encouraging and exciting people. So, to me, when I actually look around and I see school parties coming in, I see more and more youngsters coming in wanting to evaluate the real validity of a particular college course. That's what I find particularly stimulating. Beyond that, of course, there are all sorts of different trends and, you know, one thing gets exciting one particular year and then it's dropped and something else takes its place. So there's all that sort of excitement going on behind the scenes. But as I say, the thing that really drives us is the way that the, the audience level is getting younger and younger and younger. And that is really important for the health of the entire stitching world. Earlier you said that when your friend Karen started the, the show, one of the things that you wanted to tackle was the media's perception of knitting. Have you seen that change over the years, or is it still for the non-knitting and the non-stitching media? Do they still have this sort of image that any kind of stitching is a little bit old-fashioned and perhaps fuddy-duddy? I would think that that's still true to say. The, the simple fact of the matter in what I would term the serious media is that the vast majority of producers really don't have a clue in terms of what stitching is actually all about. And I frequently find that uh, I'm appearing on television programs or radio programs where the interviewers are doing something almost by rote. And that's why I've learned to actually take along examples of what we're talking about. Because if you say embroidery to somebody, it conjures up all sorts of different images. But when you take along a piece that's made by a contemporary artist, which has got humour and vigour and all sorts of wonderful craft skills imbued in it, even the most um, Luddite interviewer is actually going to be captivated by the reality of what they see. And therefore that's, in a sense, part of our job. It's a question of trying to get more people who are non-aligned stitchers or knitters to walk through a door and just open their eyes, just look around at the work and the quality of the work. But we've still got a long way to go before that's what I would call uh, fully adopted. But knitting, and the great resurgence in knitting, is the classic example of something whereby you know there's a real enthusiasm around the place. And, and journalists are crying out for more stories on knitting, and that's really healthy. Being around all of this stitching, have you been tempted into it yourself? Have you taken up any kind of stitching? I think I was last seen on a stage in Dublin with a couple of golf clubs in my hand, being forced by the cast-off crew to actually get myself knitting. I can't say that I've really taken to stitch as such, but I think that uh, I'm one of those individuals that has moved, as I said earlier, from being totally and utterly ignorant in terms of what this whole field is all about to being a real genuine lover of the actual finished product. I'm very fortunate because I'm surrounded by, I'm good friends with many of the top artists in this particular field. So I'm in that wonderfully privileged position whereby I get to see work of such magnificence. And I just feel that it's so sad that more people can't actually get to see work of that particular nature, which again goes back to why do we do the show? It's to actually open up the doors for so many different people. 
And of course, Alexandra Palace is only one of the locations of the show. Uh, where else does it tour to? We take this exhibition across to Dublin, and then we finish the season in Harrogate. And it's interesting that, that all the different venues actually have their own sort of quirks and peculiarities. I mean, self-evidently, when we go to Dublin, we encourage far more of the Irish artists to come and join us. So we all have good crack over there. But we still bring the major features from, you know, right around the, the country. Harrogate is one of these particular venues which is it's just a glorious place and it, it's time just before Christmas so we get a lot of people coming along to do the Christmas shopping as well as just being in a lovely town. But we're trying in Harrogate in particular to take advantage of the fact that the artists love to go there because unlike London where you get caught up in the London traffic, the artists can meet after hours, go for a glass of wine. So. We now find that Harrogate is swamped by glorious people infesting all sorts of wonderful restaurants and wine bars. And there's a great dialogue, in other words, that goes on behind the scenes. Just thinking back to the show at Alexandra Palace, is there anything here or anyone that you're particularly proud of having secured for the show? Well, we're certainly extremely pleased to be working with the Crafts Council Really, for the first time, we've, we've obviously had a dialogue in the past, but this is the first fruit, if you like, of the situation where uh, we've been able to take an existing exhibition, which was a great exhibition, but perhaps would not have been seen by an enormous number of people, and to take that exhibition on the road so that at the end of the exercise, more, more than 100,000 people will actually see and enjoy it. So that's one example. But I think, again, just, just touching on uh, what I said earlier about the diversity, it's impossible to single out one particular artist or one particular group of artists over the next. I mean, this year we have Arian Short, wonderful retrospective. The lady is 81 years of age. It's a real privilege to be able to stage an event of that nature and to cover what is 50 years' worth of work. But with Diana Springle, um, Diana we've known for years, but she's just produced this particular book which enables us to welcome in 21 different British embroiderers, all of whom are of just a, a stunning standard, otherwise they wouldn't have been selected for that particular book. But there are so many things. I'm just delighted that downstairs we have seven Italian embroiderers. The idea, quite simply, was that you know people will talk about trapunto or different types of stitch, not necessarily realising that the origin was that of Italy. So what we've done, quite simply, is to invite the top experts in that particular stitch to come along and, and actually demonstrate their, their work here at Ali Pali. Now, we know that you're already planning the 2008 shows. Can you uh, give us any hint of what's in the future for the show? Well, I've got to actually be very careful what I say here because uh, most of the, the stuff needs to be embargoed. But next year is a very important year for us. First of all, we're launching a new version of the Knitting and Stitching show so that we'll be taking the exhibition not only to Alexandra Palace and Dublin and Harrogate, but we're also taking the exhibition to the National Exhibition Centre, a National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. So that'll be four knitting and stitching shows. 
and that gives us that geographical coverage so that there's a major event in Ireland, north of England, the Midlands and also in the south. But next year also is the 100th anniversary of the Embroiderers Guild and we're working very, very closely with the Guild to establish a whole series of events uh, really to celebrate that 100 years in existence. And indeed we've got a project that we're going to be uh, putting onto the internet and then putting into three dimensions at the show next year, which we're calling In Our Time. And we're asking people to write in to us, send us photographs, all this sort of thing, just showing us the piece of stitch that really got them excited about the subject in the first place. So it doesn't really matter whether you're a knitter, a stitcher, doesn't matter what. What we're talking about is that thing that caused you to get excited about Stitch in the first place. And we want to tell its story because we certainly feel that the enthusiasm uh, that develops in the subject doesn't necessarily come down to some wonderful art piece that somebody has seen within a gallery or a museum. Sometimes it's the mother-in-law's dish towel. Sometimes it's that sort of piece that's on the wall brought home by Uncle Herbert from the Far East doesn't matter. There's something that just caught our imagination in the first place. And we want to celebrate that and we want to have an exhibition and we want to be telling the story of just how ordinary people right across the country got excited about this particular subject. Andrew Salmon, Managing Director of Creative Exhibitions. There'll be more about the Knitting and Stitching show in future editions of Knitcast where we'll be hearing from Yvonne Davis, who's a blogger and volunteer coordinator for the show's Relax and Knit Zone, and Freddie Robbins, co-curator of the Knit Two Together exhibition. Way back in February, when I first began producing Knitcast, it was the first knitting podcast. Now, several months later, Knitcast has company in the form of Cast On, presented by Brenda Dane. Here. At last, we find what we've been waiting for all these months. Welcome to Cast On, a podcast for knitters. I'm your host, Brenda Dane, coming to you every couple of weeks or so from a little village in Wales, which is a very small country just to the left of England, populated entirely with sheep. There are few things I like as much as knitting, and talking about knitting is one of them. Every show I pick a theme and then ask a variety of writers, artists, and knitters to participate by producing something around that theme. I tell you what I'm wearing. Today I'm wearing the Gaia jacket, which is a red cardigan. The pattern is by Jean Moss from her book, Share My Knitting, Knitting, Triumphs, and Tragedies. I tied it up so tightly so that it wouldn't felt, and it felted within an inch of its life. <laughs> this is such a disaster. And every show features pod-safe music to knit by and reviews of the latest books, patterns, and knitting products. That's Cast On the only knitting magazine that you can enjoy while you're actually knitting. For more information, visit the CastOn website at caston.com. That's two words with a hyphen in the middle, caston.com. Brenda Dane, host of CastOn. On a final and completely and unapologetically sentimental note, I'd like to dedicate this edition to my cat Clyde. Clyde was a very fine cat indeed, and not really a fan of knitting, but he never bothered me while I was knitting or tried to steal my yarn. Sadly, Clyde passed away at the end of last week after a long illness. He was 14, 
And for a very small cat, he leaves a very large hole in the heart of all of those who loved him. As usual, you'll find the show notes for the programme at the Knitcast blog. That's at www.knitcast.com. And you can email me at feedback at knitcast.com. I'm Maria Shard, and that was Knitcast. Thanks for listening.